7: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
8: That's how we own it.
9: What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the General. And we are your hosts of Street Politicians, the place, place where, where the streets,
8: streets and, and politics meet. Me. What's going on, Mr. Lennon? I'm blessed and highly favored, humbled, blessed, and highly favored. That is me today
9: that is you today you seem like you're awake today it's very
8: wide awake you know I've been drinking my vitamins drinking my water minding my business you know my birthday I'm trying to stay healthy birthday just passed you know just trying to stay healthy you know because I'm getting low getting a little old in that
9: it was your birthday happy birthday
8: thank you thank you how
9: old are you I am 47 years of age wow 47 yes. 47 it's funny because the years just go by time is passing and it's going fast because you know i don't know what was it 10 11 years ago now we weren't this old let's just put it that way it we we was 30 this something and here we are now you're 47 i'm about to turn uh 43 yeah, 43. <laughs> After a while, you really don't even remember.
8: Right. You missed, when people you used to year. do that,
9: I thought they was bullshitting, but it's true.
8: Yeah, you miss you a year or two every now and then.
9: And I can't, I can't always remember my child's age. I be having to call him like, are you 23 or 24? He's 24. Yes. I bet you whose age I do know, and that's my grandbaby. I bet you do know her age. You ain't gonna never forget that age. Seven months, and she'll be eight months as of June sixth, two days before my birthday. My little, my little G pop's
8: baby boy is moving up on two. You know, his birthday was in March.
9: Now he's going on the to three. No, the two. No, to he's two. gonna be he's three. three. What are you talking you see what? about? You see what happens? You see see what's happening? He's gonna he, be three. He's gonna be three. The <laughs> young boy gonna be three exactly three. <laughs> three well anyway I just want to ask this one question is it just sports is all year yep sports is all year and why they have they have fights and games NBA playoff games the same time I mean it's just a, it seems to be extreme I mean it's, it's
8: the thing convenient. the playoffs been heating up you know a lot of upsets LeBron and, and it's looking like he's about to go fishing, as they say. And um what
9: that mean what that means?
8: That means you about to lose. So oh. you go home and you go fishing, you on vacation. So you can go fishing, you can go on anything you want to do, but you out of the you out of the you know the playoffs. So it looks but like But
9: does he care? Like so? I mean,
8: he cares. Yeah, no, he cares. He wants, you know, he wants to cement his legacy. He wanted he put together a team that he felt was gonna be able to win a championship this year. And and barring a miracle, which has never happened in NBA history. No team has ever come back from being down 3-0 to win a championship. So barring a miracle. So, he
9: play, so he's not playing light skin. Who who are they playing? playing? What?
8: Who's light skinned?
9: What are you talking um, about? Um Steph Curry. No,
8: they beat Steph Curry. They beat Steph Curry. That was, last
9: that's night. my son's team, Steph Curry. Yes, they
8: got All they right. got rid of Steph in them. Now they're okay. playing against Denver. There's another light skinned dude. Ooh, like Jamal Murray. That's Jamal, that's Murray. Jamal Murray's out there killing. Oh yeah,
9: I see him. I see him
8: on the. Yeah, end so the he end. out there putting a lot of work in. So okay. they ain't getting past that light skin. One light skin, one is avenging The other light skin. Yeah, so,
9: that's, what, they, that's what The girls, the girls call Steph Curry light skin.
8: Okay, light skinned did it. He light skinned did it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know they looking, it's looking. It's not looking too good for them. The Boston Celtics, who's another favorite to either win. The championships not looking too favorable for them. Miami. Wait a
9: minute. So it's not down to the final two teams yet. No
8: man, still four teams. Yeah,
9: that's ridiculous.
8: That's it's a lot, you know. But what was more, what was more of point of emphasis this weekend, this Saturday, was the fight, you know, between mm-hmm. Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko. I don't know you. Probably not into wow. them. But Vasily
9: Lomachenko. That's a lot. Um, of hurt. They
8: were fighting. For the unified titles this weekend. And a lot of people feel, me being one of them, that um Checo was ver was jerked. You know, I watched the fight and I've been watching fights my whole life. And I know, you know, when a, a fighter wins and loses. And the majority consensus. Mm. You know, even people who are Devin Haney fans, I'm not so much not a fan of his. I haven't seen many of his fights. I've seen a couple of them, but even his own fans and people who, who, who bet it on him, you know, are saying that he didn't win that fight. You know, I, I watched the fight 12 rounds and there was no round to me. And this is me being a, uh, just a spectator. There was no round to me, not one round where I looked and said that Devin Haney clearly won a round. There's certain things they look for. They look for who's the aggressor in the fight, right? Who's landing the most fight, um, shots? Who who looks like the the other person's punches are hurting them, right? Those are th- those are like probably the three main things you look. And when I looked at the the numbers each round, they pretty much um were hitting each other the same amount of times. And I guess they were by um Devin Haney was doing a lot of body shots, you know. And I never really seen Lomacheco hurt by any of those body shots. He was connecting with the body shots, but I never seen Lomacheco any pain. And he was the aggressor usually when you he's a smaller guy. And he's not usually that aggressive. He usually lets the fight come to him. But in this fight, he was hawking him down and he was throwing punches. And he was.
9: So you feel like the other guy fought harder or better? No.
8: He He did. So then who
9: was going to win?
8: I felt Lomacheco won. I felt Lomacheco fought harder. You know, usually he's a slow starter in his fights. He comes out one or two rounds, three rounds. He doesn't, he's not aggressive. You know, he just sees what's happening. He takes two or three rounds off. This fight, he didn't do that. For round one, he was throwing punches. He was aggressive. You know, he was throwing flurries. He was doing a lot of stuff that normally, you know, as he got later in his career, that he stopped doing. And, you know, and then it was about two rounds where he completely dominated to where one of the rounds, it looked like he could have knocked Devin Haney out. Devin Haney didn't even look like he was still there. You know, and then... You know, and then the last round, I still felt he was dominating that last round. Some people, you could have went either way. But I'm just trying to say for the majority of the fight, it looked like Lomachenko was the aggressor. Mm. Fights, you know, there were two to three rounds where I felt like he completely dominated those rounds. And I never seen no round where Haney was completely dominated. It could have went either way in any of those rounds. So, you know, at at best, it could have been a draw. You know, they could have said, Look, we're going to draw this fight. We're going to rank this fight a draw, but they're the handy there, went. so it's been a lot of arguing back and forth online about that. Well, people.
7: not just
9: online, I I was in the gym today in my boxing gym, and my God, it was loud. Everybody was going back and forth, and there was only like two people who were like, Nah, y'all are bugging. He did, um, win mm-hmm. like he, it was fair and square but for the most part there was like a resounding cry out from all of these different men that no you know he didn't win it was staged it was this it's about money dah, dah, dah. so my gym was uh pretty much with you so
8: yeah so that now, was- I go
9: to a gym that is not like there are other boxing gyms that I've heard of um in fact one of our friends uh, in fact, actually, well, we won't put people's business in the street so folks can't find people on their jobs. But so when we know they um, they have a, a, a family member who works in like one of those pretty gyms, and you know, and I see them all the time. I'm like, wow, I should be in these types of gyms. I go to a gym that is not pretty. It is for men. It smells like men. It looks like men. It acts like men. It, it's men. All men. Yes. And I it's love good. it actually.
8: Yeah, it's for it's workout. It's you know, it's a it's a legacy gym. You know, you know, I'm not putting your, your business yeah, I'm up. Tell
10: people what the gym is. But.
8: The, you know, the, the person whose gym it is is, is a boxer, you know, for for the title. He's he's a well-renowned, well loved boxer. So it comes from that essence of the streets. You know, my gym survived from 41, you know, where in, in Mount Vernon, shout out to my I brother. Yeah, it's a dope gym it's, it's also you know so it's so many different gyms you could go to you know that that have different essences that the essence in our gym is still it still has that from the mud but it's you know it's not as grimy but i've been to your gym and it's grimy like i've shot videos and everything, and i love it though because it gives you that it's, it reminds me of rocky bob o when he was training if you if you go watch rocky now go mm. watch rocky now and then watch your gym and then you'll be like It gives you a a, more of a feel and love for what Rocky was doing when he was training.
9: Yeah, it's funny you say that because, first of all, all those people are on the walls. There's so much history there. And there's so many older men that's sitting around in there training people without even standing up. Just like sitting on this. I mean, old men and they sitting on the side like that ain't nothing you know, let me see this and that and the third. And these guys are quick on their feet. Like they really are at it without them even touching them at all. They train it. So I know that it's a real professional atmosphere. they have a lot of people that are out there boxing. My trainer is the bomb. He's the bomb. He really, really is. And all the kids love him. Everybody's parents has their kids going to my trainer. So anyway, it's a great experience. Um, I, I love I love my boxing. I mean, right now I physically hurt so bad I can't even move my arms because one of the things I realized is that when you have a crazy work schedule, you still have to find some kind of way to stretch and work out your body because if you wait and then go back, it's just like you start all over again from the beginning and it's horrible. So let's talk about yep. the news. We're still um observing mental health awareness month the month of may it's going on right now um and so we have a guest coming up that's going to talk to us more about mental health we've been talking to some great mental health experts um and we'll have one today but for our new stuff oh and by the way i just want to celebrate all the graduates because you know we talk about you know winning losing or whatever and through a pandemic through so many different things that people are dealing with it's a pandemic, it's a depression, it's a recession, it's a it's murders, murder death kill, constantly something happening politics are terrible everything is going on and yet some these students, many students are still uh, uh, fighting through and they're graduating getting high school diplomas getting degrees, going to college, nursing schools, this and that. And so shout out to all the graduates that are out there. I see prom pictures from celebrities, their children, Diddy's daughter, um, Chance going to the prom. I think LeBron's son going to the prom. Like that's what it's all about. And and those types of things let us know it's not all bad. Everything that's happening, there's also people accomplishing goals.
8: Yeah, definitely. um, man, Shout out to all the graduates, all of them.
9: Yeah, all the graduates. Um, let's talk real quick about Cop City. I think we need to kind of get into that. There's a whole other topic that I want to talk about, Panini America, which is a campaign that Until Freedom and Black Church Pack are working on together. But it takes more time to sort of lay it out. I would like to talk about Cop City, though. And I think that even though next week is um, still Mental Health Awareness Month, I believe that we should take some time to have on the show some of the folks who are on the ground in Atlanta fighting this fight against Cop City. So for many people, listen, Atlanta, Atlanta, all the Atlanta residents who are followers of street politicians or followers of my son or me or uh, and me, um I we need you to listen to this. There is a huge Big, 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 big problem in Atlanta. And we need you to tune in and listen to this. Again, next week, we will have more uh, of the -the on-the-ground grassroots activists, Queen Yanastaha and others to come and talk to us about what's happening. But in short, there is something happening in Atlanta where a small part of DeKalb County is being built into Cop City. That's the name of it cop city. So it is a place where so many hundreds of millions of dollars are going, I think it's like $300 million, is going into building this place where cops live, where there's training uh, facilities, um, and and cops from all over the country will go to this particular training site so that They can, you know, some of them live there, some of them stay there during the time while they are being trained. The resources that will be poured into this particular area are extra, like, you know, big numbers, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars are going into building something called Cop City. Now, we could sit here and debate all day about why we don't even think that Cop City and additional training is necessary because cops are already being trained at the highest levels of training. They are receiving more money. The budgets for law enforcement and policing across this country is completely imbalanced to all the other things. It's Mental Health Awareness Month, and you should find out from your elected officials, how much money are they spending, how much money is allocated towards mental health support versus what the police get in these local municipalities around the country. The militarization of police officers is problematic. It does not seem that the training that has been um, put forth is working because in our communities still our people are dying there is still a disconnect between the relationship with police and community but now we won't argue that because there's some people who are probably like, nah, I could kind of see why maybe this facility is going to help them. They're going to get better training and, and the training is going to be more about our communities. And maybe this is what we need is a place where, you know, they're in one environment where they could come in and there's real rigorous training and support for police officers. Maybe this is the answer. I've heard people say that. Well, let me tell you why it's not because the training is going to be done, it will be conducted by a group called the IDF, which is the Israel Defense Forces. Now, that is the military that is currently in place in Israel that has helped to displace the people of Palestine. And if you don't take my word for it, I just want you to go and do your research. And look at how the IDF kills Palestinians on a regular basis so that they can steal the land of the Palestinian people. Now, this is a hot topic. A lot of people don't like to get into it because as soon as you start to say it, there are some people within the Jewish community and some conservative Jews who will say that you are anti-Semitic just because you dare to talk about the Palestinian people's struggle. That anti-Semitism absolutely, absolutely exists, and we stand against it. However, speaking about what is happening with the IDF and the military force that is on the ground displacing people from their original land is not being anti-Semitic, it is the truth. And so the group of individuals that are responsible for training people at Cop City are people who in Israel kill children, women, okay? Families, families every single day and they guard communities that allows the 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 Israelis to walk the streets we saw it with our own eyes the Israelis can walk the streets certain areas and the Palestinian people cannot and it is the IDF that maintains the control for those individuals that are free in Palestine or Israel and the others do not have their freedom. So this is a very serious thing because basically, what the, it maybe if the training was being conducted by something else, I don't even know what it's called or whatever. I can sit here and say, well, hey, maybe this is going to work, but it is not. So already they're starting off with a group, a a, a a a defense mechanism, a military that is responsible for the murder and the destruction of a particular brown group of people. So I, I, what? I no, you're right.
8: You know, I think, I think the reality of the situation is, in order for police to have proper training, as you would call it, it would have to include people from the community, right? Having other police. But they going to say the police, that
9: they're doing that also? You
8: no, know what I'm saying, I'm saying it have to, it would have to include relevant, respected people from communities in communities where people want it to happen, right? You can't impose your will in communities that people don't want certain things in. Secondly, what, I, what we know is that police do not prevent crimes, right? So the, the fact that we constantly put money and resources into enforcement and, and, and pe- penalization of crimes and arresting people for crimes instead of prevention, the crime prevention, it should be what our money goes into. Right. We put hundreds and millions and billions of dollars into, all right, you, you killed somebody, you shot somebody, we're going to arrest you. We're going to make sure you go to jail. We got officers who are prepared to do that. Instead of having the services and all of the everything needed to prevent the crime, so that the people aren't starving in the communities, the mental health issues are being addressed. Like we need to pour that money into that. You know, this cop city thing is just—it's stupid to me. It doesn't make sense. You know, it's it never makes made perfect sense.
9: sense when the elected officials, including the black man who's the mayor there, agree to things, and I'm not even sure. Or make listen. I want to give the mayor some some leeway here that maybe he doesn't know what the idf is because a lot of people don't know most people will not know what the hell i'm talking about and what we're saying on this show today okay they're gonna have to go educate themselves there are a lot of people that don't know but the fact that the idf is even involved tells me that there are lobbyists And other political forces who have talked the mayor into something that they make it sound good because they're going to try to when you say that there needs to be people involved who are from the communities and all of that they are going to say that that's exactly what they're doing. They're going to say that they have all types of training. It's not just the IDF, it's this, it's that, and the third. But the mere fact that the IDF is involved at all is problematic. But how dare you, Atlanta, have the type of homelessness that exists in that city. When you are staying downtown, as I stay all the time in downtown Atlanta, well, now I don't because my granddaughter lives in Buckhead, so I have to go to Buckhead. But when I did, I stayed in downtown um, uh, uh, Atlanta all the time at the Ritz-Carlton downtown. Let me tell you something. The level of danger that I feel and I am not afraid of black people. That's not something that I where people be like, "Oh, you shouldn't go here by yourself and do this." I love black people. Black people don't harm me, right? And even if something happens, I'm not going to look at it as I can all black people are bad or all black people are dangerous. We know that there's all types of people that can hurt you and incidents that can take place. I have never been afraid to walk the streets no matter the time of day around my people. In Atlanta, however, the level of mental illness and the people who are displaced the the level of houselessness and and all the things that's going on there, it is dangerous. I have had people run up in my face. I've had somebody chase me into a bank. I've been through so much in downtown Atlanta. It is no joke there in terms of all those people who are living out in the street. And you mean to tell me that you're going to take your money and put hundreds of millions of dollars into more training for cops and a place for cops to be comfortable and spread their legs and be out in communities and and shoot this one and beat this one up versus getting those people off the street and making sure that they have the necessary resources to be whole, to have homes. This is outrageous.
8: That's what they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you that that's more of a priority. It's more a priority to employ more police services and, and, you know, deploy more police services to our communities in which they seem to escalate more situations than they de-escalate. You know, they seem to constantly arrest people instead of stopping situations from happening. And they don't do anything that's really necessary to further the community, to grow and be peaceful and to be the beloved community. Only thing they do is arrest people. And I'm tired of that. And I think more people
9: are. And I want to say that I hope that Mayor Andre Dickens As the city council meetings are packed with people, their whole thing is, oh, these people don't even live in Atlanta. It's outside agitators. By the way, I've been told by Queen Yonesthet and others that the last meeting they were at it was overwhelmingly a majority overwhelming whatever a overwhelming majority excuse me of Atlanta residents but many people don't know and that's why we're using street politicians and every other platform to ensure that people know what's happening because too too, um, unfortunately too often we find out about stand your ground laws after Trayvon Martin has been killed, we found out about gentrification and, and and rezoning and all these things after it happens because they keep it quiet. So it's not that the Atlanta residents don't care, it's that they don't know. And that is why it is our responsibility to work with the local grassroots organizers to use our national platform to make sure they know. And and my Thought of the day is, uh, Mayor uh, Andre Dickens, is this who you are? Is this who you are that you will support the IDF, which murders children every single day in the Palestinian community? Palestinian people murders babies, shoot women. We have it on video. It's on camera mayor dickens and are you a person that stands with that and will allow the same people who murder folks across the seas every single day to come and have training for police officers that are already killing black people every day right here in the united states what the hell is this
8: that's that's the thought of the day ain't nothing else we can end the
9: show with that one it's ridiculous well we should definitely put Our guests through because something is wrong with everybody's mental health if this is okay.
1: In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake
0: it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately undeniably
1: consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears.
0: Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC.
2: Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
11: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
12: start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
4: what's up everybody this is stephen a smith when i'm not at my day job first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the stephen a smith show podcast
9: So in keeping with our mental health awareness theme for the month of May, Mental Health Awareness Month, um, you know, as I said, we are not stopping. We're making sure that every week we bring someone to you who is an expert in this area. I personally think, and I, I know my son, you agree that this is probably one of the most important conversations we could be having. I mean, obviously the economic stuff is important. Our politics are important, but keeping people say stable and focused in a time when the nation is so out of control. It's also, it's probably the most important thing. I wanna, I don't know the, this artist's name, um, but there, but my son sent me an image of, or of some slides of a young man who was an artist who wrote on social media and his stories all the people he was angry with and the people he loved and the people that supported him right before he killed himself recently. Um, this just happened. Mm-hmm. I, I'll look it up while, you know, once we introduce our guests, but this just happened. And a young man was ranting about so many things and he took his life um, and he's a, a, seems to be a well-known rapper. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're, we're in a very, 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 very delicate time. And I have been very specific about wanting, as we had um, uh, Dr. Michael Pratt's, my um, psychologist on last week, I've been very intentional about us finding black men who are in this particular field, because we know black women, we always talk about our mental health and self-care, but black men certainly need a real focus on mental health and mental um and, 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 and mental health awareness. And so today we have uh Mr. Elliot Connie, who is a Texas-based psychotherapist or psycho yeah, psycho psychotherapist. Hey, I think I'm right. Yes, and he is the founder of the Solution focused University. Welcome the Street Politicians. Thank you so much, Mr. Connie, for being with us.
13: Thank you so much. Yes, and it's Mr. Not Doctor, a psychotherapist, not a psychologist, but Dr. thank
3: you.
8: Solution-based, like that is, that is for me, that's the key to everything. I think everyone focuses on what the issue is and, and, and points out everything that's wrong. What 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 made you want to, do, to call it Solution based and What does that actually entail?
13: I got to tell you a little bit of my story in order to answer that question.
8: Okay. Um,
13: so I, I grew up in a really, really difficult environment. I was born on the west side of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, my family moved to Boston, Massachusetts. And in both scenarios, I lived in really, really rough areas. And uh, my mom is the most amazing, strong woman ever. And She wanted to make sure her children got good education. So she moved us to the suburbs uh, of Boston when I was in middle school to um, to just make sure I was getting a better education. And my dad was like super abusive and I spent most of my childhood really suicidal, like not just talking about it or thinking about it, but like, like attempting and like. Like, I remember when they built like a Taco Bell in my area and I was like, oh, I'm sad. I'm never going to eat at that Taco Bell because I'm not going to be alive when it's built like that kind of shit. Wow. Um, and when I went to college, like, you know, God loves me enough. He blessed me with the ability to play baseball. And uh, that got me into college. And when I got into college, I started thinking about things like hope and love and warmth and like kindness of self. Uh, and I can't really tell you why I started thinking about those things. But as a 19 year old, that's what I started thinking about. And I decided to major in psychology. And I, I, I went on this journey, like not really realizing it, but like, when you go to graduate school and study psychotherapy, there are literally zero black people in our textbooks. Like, sometimes we say like, oh, there's no black people who do that. But there's like a few, there are literally zero, the number of people we see in the textbook educating us about psychotherapy that are black or brown are zero and I was I was so that tripped me out I was I was just like that's crazy to me that either means black people have not contributed to the psychology of this field or you've ignored black people's contribution to the psychology of this field Mm -hmm. and and I had turned inward and gone on my own journey and I wanted to touch people so my son, to answer your question, like why why do I call it solution-focused brief therapy? Because that was the only approach I was studying in school that that made sense to me. Uh, when I was in school, I was studying a bunch of stuff that uh, had to do with assessment and interpretation. And I do know cross-culturally, it's very hard for some affluent white person to understand my background. And what I've what I've learned even more in adulthood, I actually think it's an impossibility. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've gotten real real tired of trying to explain the plights of black people to mm-hmm. people who do not and or refuse to understand what it's like um, and that's like a trauma that we all live with consistently and if you're not capable of understanding the very nuanced trauma that we experience and you can't help me psychologically so I decided in that moment like this is ridiculous that there's no black people doing this so I wanted to change that I, I remember thinking like I either want to be the black person in these textbooks, or I want to inspire the black mind that will show up in these textbooks. And now it's happened. Like I, the Solution focused Universe is the largest training organization in our field. Uh, we train about 15,000 new psychotherapists every month on how to do this type of therapy. And my favorite emails I get from people saying like, I saw you in the textbook or you were an answer to a test question in graduate school and, and those sorts of things. So it just became super important to me to to make a difference in this field because we need it
9: so you are in the textbooks now
13: i am in the textbooks now you uh, what my experience in grad school they how, don't
9: long, how long did it take to get to that point
13: uh, it took me about a decade actually uh, it took it took me a while like it was a, it was a hard it was a hard nut to crack i'll say that and and the field like the status quo in this field was was just old male and white And they did not love a black man becoming a leader in this industry. So I I had to overcome some
9: things. You studied to become a psychotherapist, which is different from, as you said, being a psychologist, which is what I have. So talk about that a little bit. What's the difference?
13: Yeah, like so in the helping professions, we have psychologists, social workers, marriage and family therapists, licensed professional counselors. uh, And all of us are credentialed to do psychotherapy. I'm a licensed professional counselor. And really the only difference is I <laughs> don't you know the difference, actually. It's all kind of universal. We all do psychotherapy. The only difference really in our field is psychiatrists can provide medications.
8: So this is a deep question, right? Because I always, I've never I've never contemplated suicide. I've been through a lot of different things. Like I've been at the worst points, and I've been and I've deal and I know I deal with levels of trauma that come from those points. But as as a psychologist who studies, can you try? Do you have you figured out like what is
10: psychotherapist
8: psycho psychotherapist who studies who studied the field? Can you have you kind of like pinpointed or kind of figured out what is the thing that makes certain people? want to commit suicide or, or, or contemplate it What like for you when you were contemplating suicide what was the thing that mostly triggered you and made you feel like this was something that you wanted to do
9: yes die by suicide not commit suicide they have changed the language
8: yes yes
13: when um so when I was going through those thoughts and and a lot of people think that suicide utterly is attached to depression and it's actually not it's attached to levels of hope And some people uh, are better at holding on to hope than others. And and I'll I'll use myself as an example to tell you what I mean by that. If I'm going through something hard, and it doesn't matter what it is, if I have hope that it will one day end and things will be better, I'm significantly less likely to die by suicide. If I lose that hope, then I'm significantly more likely. So in my experience, it was all attached to the trauma of my father who was a very abusive dude, like the way he treated his wife, his three kids, uh, it, was, it was super duper unkind. And it went on for so long that the best way I can describe it is I, I would look around the world and I would think, everybody else seems to have gotten this great life and I got this like shitty life. And my father would tell me constantly like, you are nothing and you're never gonna be nothing. And when you start to believe that, you lose hope for your own future. And that's when your life becomes in peril. If you can hold on to the belief that one day things will be different or even positive, then you can essentially go through anything. And there are certain people that can do that. Like my personal hero that has ever walked on this planet is Madiba, Nelson Mandela. Like that is my that is my guy. I've been to South Africa a bunch of times and I've gotten to talk to people that that like walked with him and rode with him and there are people like him who could sit through a prison sentence of 27 years and he had this ability to always believe that he would be able to create change i don't know why people like him could hold on to that for 27 years but some people can hold on to it but that's the key is being able to hold on to hope for a different future and once you can do that then then your life is significantly safer
8: so what do you think was the, the change for you that made you say, that gave you the hope? Where, where do you see that you started to get hope? So I, I'm,
13: I'm super stubborn. Like I'm, I'm crazy levels of stubborn and competitive and not in a like, I'm rooting against you way, but like to drive me to be a better version of me kind of way. And when I was 19, which was probably the, like the worst it got, like the closest I got to ending my own life, for some reason, I was laying in my college dorm room and I was thinking about my, my, my eulogy, like somebody eulogizing me. And I started thinking that people would say, like, I didn't know Elliot was sad and I didn't know Elliot was in trouble and I didn't know Elliot was going through these things. And I, didn't, I couldn't live with that. Like I didn't want people to think I was dying because of an issue with me. I wanted them to, to know the truth, which was that dude abused me for 19 years. Mm-hmm. So I decided in that moment, I have to outlive my trauma so I could tell my story. Mm. And I started feeling like I got hope that I could do it. I, got, I I started feeling hopeful that I could outlive this trauma just so I could tell people the truth. And then I realized I wasn't the only Black youth in that situation, in that scenario. And then it became bigger than me. And I think that's what changed my life.
8: Wow. that's 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 really... That's powerful. Just wanting to outlive your trauma. I never even thought of something like that.
13: I, I made a decision when I was 19. I like can, like if I decide to take my life, I can do that any at any point. So it's easy for me, or at the time, you know, I was 19, 19 year old thinking, I could take my life the day after I share my story, not realizing that sharing my story would, would save my life. I just wanted to outlive this trauma so people could know the truth.
8: So you 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 tricked yourself into saving <laughs> yourself.
13: I, I accidentally tricked myself. You accidentally
8: tricked yourself into saving yourself. So, so you've been so how long have you actually been doing this work?
13: Uh, let me see. I graduated in two thousand six, so I've been doing this a minute. Well, since two thousand six. Yeah, I got my master's degree in two thousand six, so I've been doing this a, doing this a minute. And in that time, I had my own practice, which I still do. Uh, I've traveled the world teaching people how to do solution-focused brief therapy. I've written now five books about this. It's literally everything I do.
8: Five books. What are the names of the books? I want to go out and get them.
13: (laughs) Send me your address. I'll send them to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, give me uh,
8: me two names.
13: What are your two favorite ones? The Solution-Focused Brief Therapy Diamond. And let me see, one two favorite. And the Solution-Focused Marriage.
8: Solution-Focused Marriage.
9: I'm glad you brought up the marriage piece because I noticed that you, you work with married couples and you work with marriage uh, counselors, right? Yes, so yes. training mar- marriage counselors and working with married couples. And I've noticed that, you know, when you think about Twitch, uh, the, the gentleman who was on the Ellen DeGeneres show and you see all of these beautiful moments with his wife, the dancing, the celebration, the family, I notice when I'm reading some of these stories that a lot of people who are dying by suicide are married, either very young teenagers, and or people who are in, you know, committed relationships, let's not necessarily marriage. So can we talk about like what is that? What what is there something? Is it just by coincidence, or do you think that there's a particular stress in this moment that's happening with married couples?
13: no well <clears throat> that's a super complicated question so i i do think it's more of a coincidence like it's not it's not to say people who are married are more at risk of dying by suicide than people who aren't but i will say the pressures of this world are really really high and when you are married and you have children you have you have a pressure to provide you have a pressure to contribute but i actually think the biggest pressure and that the the death of of Twitch, that, that hit me kind of hard, actually, because <clears throat> my whole adult life has been motivated to impact people's mental health, in particular, like Black male mental health. And I'm just a psychotherapist. I, my practice is in Texas. And then because I make social media content, I get discovered by this Hollywood world. we making TV content, and I'm meeting, meeting all these people and talking to them about mental health. And I my heart broke that I hadn't yet had the opportunity to reach him. I, I think the biggest issue we have is um, the issue of performance versus authenticity. Mm. And I think as a, as a Black man, it's very, very difficult to unmask yourself and be your authentic self. Mm. And being your authentic self is so healing and so protective. and we are not always comfortable doing it. Now of course I'm hypothesizing I've never I never spoke to Twitch.
9: Of course, right. But
13: I but I am saying like we we live in a world where we can't just be who we are. Like we get we get judged harshly, we get criticized roughly. Um we never get the benefit of the doubt and that's a pressure that all of us all all African Americans carry and that weight is very very heavy. And we get to a point sometimes where it's like we cannot we cannot handle it. Like we get to a point right now where we, we lose our ability to believe that there's a day after this level of, of pain and trauma. And, and to be honest with y'all, like when I got on there, the first thing I said was I'm fans of you guys. I don't know if you guys have thought about how important you are to the culture, but you're incredibly important. Like Tamika, I, I knew about my song just, I knew about my song because you know, back in the day when you were fans of record labels as opposed to artists, I was a fan of Rough Riders. And I remember like lefty gun up in that right, like my son was a rapper that I followed. And then he disappeared and I found out my son did time and he came back with this ridiculous freestyle in 2017. And I was just following you as a rapper. But now to see the work you do as an advocate, and Tamika, I, I, found, I found you in, in early 2020. What you guys do for our culture is you get angry. And the reason that that's so incredibly important is, I think after the death of of George Floyd, a lot of Black people didn't know what to do. Like we were just crushed. And then I see this video of Tamika Maori like going off on a podium. Like that's so important because we get to see like it's okay to have our authentic feelings from people demonstrating that in an unapologetic way. Like neither one of you and in those moments cared how you were being perceived. you didn't back down to the powers that be um, you you could live with whatever consequences came your way. We need more of that because we have to be free to express our authentic experiences. And sometimes our authentic experiences is rage, like outright anger mm. and and I don't know that as a black man, I can walk around all the time and and feel comfortable expressing that and and people like you guys and, and several others, of course, we need to see those examples. And I think I think that saves lives. And, and I I would be willing to bet a lot that that Twitch was dealing with the battle between performance and uh, authenticity. And sometimes we yeah. get wrapped up as if I'm too authentic, I'll lose endorsements or I'll lose money know, and I'll lose whatever. That's
9: the problem. That's the big issue. I mean, we listen. It is not easy. What you see is a work in progress. It takes a lot of prayer and it takes a lot of support from, from from our community to say that, you know, I've had people walk up to me who have resources and say, you will never go broke again in life. You will never. We will make sure that you have food on the table. Now, how that materializes when you're actually going broke, I don't know. But if damn sure feels good to think that there are people who will make sure that I don't have to go ask, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, you know, Walmart, and the list goes on, not to say it's anything wrong with those relationships because they should be invested in the movement, but I don't have to rely on them. And so therefore, it gives me the freedom to speak and to speak truth to power. It's not easy when you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. So I am sure, not necessarily about Twitch, but there are a number of people. They are artists every day. My son knows he deals with it all the time. They are artists and others who are in the industry that you you can go to them and say, this is a really important issue. And they're like, I mean, literally shaking about even being seen next to you. Forget about speaking on the issue. They don't even want to be in the same room.
13: I look, I agree. Like the celebrities I talk to, the number one thing that they they come to me about is fear of being canceled. Mm. Um, and I and I think While I understand it, we have to we have to be able to prioritize our own authenticity, because when we feel comfortable being our authentic selves, we have strong enough mental health. And we understand like I'm not I'm not guaranteed like the seven figure business that I like I would rather be be real and work as a cashier at a grocery store than be fake and be world famous because that actually crushes your soul. And I learned that like when I was when I came into this field, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but like I gotta tell the truth. When I graduated with my master's degree, I told you I was super motivated to contribute to this field. And no black person in my industry had written a book. Like nobody had written a book of my color about solution-focused brief therapy. So within a year, I wrote the first book by a person of color. It's called The Art of Solution Focused Therapy. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, I just did this. It never dawned on me that psychotherapists would be racist. And I know that's stupid, but at the time, I just thought like, if you're interested in mental health, you're not gonna allow yourself to have bigoted views. And I, I went to this conference and I'd never been to a conference before. And even I started performing. Like I, I called one of my white colleagues. And I was like, what are you gonna wear? And he was like, I'm gonna wear a polo and, and slacks. And I'm somebody like, I like to wear a sweatsuit and a hoodie, like everywhere I go. But I'm not going to do it at my very first conference. This is back in 2007, 2008, and for for I don't know five, six, seven years. Like I put on the uniform so I could be taken seriously. And what I learned was it didn't matter how I dressed, it didn't matter how I talked. They were going to hate me regardless. Right. And before I knew it, I felt like I didn't even recognize who I was seeing in the mirror, trying to trying to like be accepted in this community that is designed not to accept me. So it pissed me off. It motivated me and it it helped me shift towards my authentic self. And and to be honest with you, that's where healing is. And Tamika, like it is not easy. Like there were days where this whole field was upset with me and and a few people would email me saying, you got to keep doing what you're doing and, and I will invest in you and I'll keep doing those things. And that was like a lifeline. Like that was so important because those days are not easy, but they're so important because like nobody said healing was easy. Nobody said... Authenticity was consequence free, but it is important. It is the thing that we should prioritize above all else.
8: Wow. That's, it's, it sounds like you just in my mind right now. I'm listening to you because th- those are things that I'm, I'm faced with every day. Yes. You know, being, being in this field, coming from where I come from, you know that I come from hip hop and the culture and come from street culture and wanting to, to be, you know, be strong and be an advocate for our people. And bring people from where I come from to this space because there's so many people from that who are, you know, embedded in communities, you know, impoverished communities who, who have backgrounds of crime and have done things, you know, that are, are, are not celebrated by community, who want to do better for our community, who want to be able to utilize their voices, who want to be on the front lines, who want to stand by me, but they don't see their spaces in it you know, and that's how I got in this. So keeping that authenticity of who I am and what it is that I represent and still coming into rooms where people, you know, are coming from different backgrounds and they're more cultured and they're more educated and have degrees and all these things and still coming in with what it is that I represent, it's hard. You know, it's, it's, it's people saying, well, you need to do this or you need to, do this a little bit, or maybe don't talk about this that much, or or look this way, or sound this way, and, and, and it's a constant fight, and 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 I don't, and I'm one of those people that I believe in me so much, it don't matter what you tell me, like, I don't give, I really just don't give a fuck about how you feel about what I feel, and sometimes like people make you feel like you're wrong, like, you're selfish, because this and mad, and you need to do this, and it's like, I wouldn't be me if I capitulated to certain things, you know what I'm saying, I, I, I wouldn't,
9: raise my hand to speak in this part of the conversation. We need therapy. We need a uh, podcast partner therapy right here, right now. So you put, get you a hat that says I'm, I'm a psychotherapist. <laughs> I know, you gotta get my hat. <laughs> yeah, you gotta put your, th- so, but I, I do, I, I, and I respect what my son is saying because what he brings to the movement is exactly what we needed, especially and until freedom and other spaces that we've been in, and you know, so I agree with that. But I do think that there is always room for growth. And just because you feel like you're being a hundred percent authentic, sometimes we have to figure out like authenticity and growth have to happen at the same time. So, for instance, what I try to explain to him is that everything he thinks he can't say, why? Because <laughs> you also run an organization and they are people on payroll and folks who are depending on us to make payroll, to keep the organization going. And we have to be really sure when we decide we're going to go and speak on an issue or we're going to be engaged in something, whatever it is, we have to make sure that the stakes of it is something that we are willing to throw the whole thing in the garbage behind, right? We have to make sure because we could take, we could, we could, he knows we've done it, right? When people told me I had to denounce Minister Farrakhan, I said, that's something I just can't do. So what happened? I lost all the the speaking engagements the this the that and the third but it was something that regardless of whether I agree with Minister Farrakhan about a number of things that he says it is not my language it's not the way I would speak and I don't agree with him on a number of points I still will never find myself as a black woman denouncing a black man because white people told me I have to do that I just can't do it can't do it right but now me getting into a battle with somebody else no, on the no,
8: no, no, no. But see the, the problem is this. See you can't you can't you can't have both of those statements. But can I, can I, I just
9: want to say I just want to finish my point and when I'm finished you're going to understand where I'm going. Me getting into a battle with somebody else on the internet, I have to make sure that that fight is one that I'm willing to go down all the way don't care what people think or whatever. And all I have been saying to my son is that I'm for what he speaks on. Because the things that he speaks on, my son needs to hear it. His, there's a group that's outside. I needed to
13: hear it. Like, I needed to hear it. Like, it's, real talk. Like, my son inspires a psychotherapist. Like, my son, if you go into your Instagram and find my Instagram page, you will find a message for me that since you're like 2018. Mm. Saying to you, like, we, like, you inspire me as a, a random psychotherapist who wants to be authentic. and I And I think... I think, Tamika, what you're saying is 100% true. Like, authenticity doesn't mean this stubborn, like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to cuss out the president. Like, fuck that. Like, like that's not what I'm saying.
3: Mm-hmm.
13: What I'm, growth is a part of authenticity. And so, too, are mistakes.
10: Mm-hmm. And
13: one of the things that, do you guys run the organization together? Is that true? Yeah,
10: four of us.
13: So, one of the things that my son has done is he's decided to collaborate with an incredibly powerful black female voice who cares about him. So he might say, I'm gonna go in there and do this. And and you are strong enough to stand up to him. You are strong enough to tell him your truth. He is humble enough to listen to you. We gotta give this man permission to make mistakes.
9: Absolutely. And he's,
13: he's, he's making different mistakes. I don't know how old you are, my son. I don't know, 40 maybe, I'll guess. I just turned 47, actually, two days Shut ago. Shut up, you serious? Okay.
9: Oh, man.
13: <laughs> well, I'm sure if I disrespect him at 47, I'm going to get a different response than I would have gotten at 27.
8: Okay. See, and that's what I need people to realize. It's, it's true. true. Right. I give
9: you that. Right. I give you that. I on. My point uh mr connie but you still gonna get a response though man. I'm like, call me elliot
8: call me elliot call me elliot they act like see just because i'm removed from certain responses you know the level of the responses you know i'm not gonna get in the mud with you but we we still might roll around on the ground we might but, not to, let me different. give you an example let me give you an example my son did something a couple
13: of months ago That is an example. Like I told you, I follow both of y'all. Like, and I'm going to give you an example from each of you doing exactly what I'm saying that's important. A couple of months ago, um, a basketball player named Angel Reese did this. And this crazy dude whose name I'm not going to name said something super disrespectful. And my son said, not on my watch. We need to see that. Now, we need to see as a Black community that we have people that got our back publicly like and in those moments it's important to see it and that's what i mean by authenticity something triggered him to feel disrespected and he needed to go protect that queen now is he going to go put his hands on that person maybe maybe not who cares but she saw it and was like someone out there cares enough about me to stand up that is incredibly important
9: i agree with you elliot And my son knows this is how I deal with it. Because to your point, you said that we put so much judgment on people and make people feel so bad. And we're constantly challenging, especially black men. As black women, we have to be very careful because when we open our mouths to our men, we can take them up or down. And I know that, I recognize that. And my son and other men have checked me on it as it relates to my own son, right? Because out of fear, or him getting in trouble or getting hurt or whatever. I'm out here like, motherfucker, I said what I said. And they're like, yo, you can't talk to him like that. Gotta build him up. Yeah, you gotta build him up. I'm I'm still a work in progress. But what I do is that I let, I give mice all, go ahead on, tell them they snitches, they liars, they this, they that, and the third. But I always can see the twinkle in his eye when his ego starts to drive the rest of the ending of it. It starts becoming a different thing, and as soon as I start seeing that, I'm like, oh, we in the car, and everybody's in and out. Break, 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 break." And I have to pump him down because he's gone with it. But I, that.
13: but that's that's the brilliance of him. Like, and so, my son, this is my first time talking to you, but I'm gonna bet you your capacity to listen to a woman like Tamika is different at 47 than it was at 25. It's way so, different so one of the brilliant things about him is in his strength in his resilience he maintains the humility to be able to listen to someone else who cares about him because we none of us can just be all rounded like we all have to do it and and i told you i was going to give an example from each of you on tamika i remember following you and i'm just scrolling through social media and i see a picture of you in a bathing suit on a beach somewhere and someone was like you ain't supposed to be showing up like that and you let that person have it and and young black women, or young women period, but specifically black women need to see, like it is okay for me to stand on the steps of the Capitol building and speak truth to power because of an injustice, and it's also okay for me to be proud of my body in the way that I look. Like we need to see that. And every now and then, you might go too far, and, and it's my son's job to be like, Tamiko. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's the that's the beauty of it's a partner partnership that brings out the best in each other and protects each other like and so being authentic really just means like I use my voice and we're going to make mistakes I decided to use my voice and I got a master's degree in counseling because I wanted a very particular group of people to listen to me and I knew I needed credentials to do that but it's really really important to use our voice like I've had to stand up to some of the biggest people in this field Uh, and and I don't give a shit what they think. I'm telling the truth. It really irks me when people ask me, like, why don't Black people go to therapy? Because the insinuation is there's something wrong with Black people. Like, they, they come to me and they say, like, why don't Black people go to therapy? Like, the Black community is not accepting a therapy. And it really irks me. And I've had to tell some of the most famous psychotherapists in the world, stop doing that. The reason Black people don't go to therapy is because therapy wasn't built for us, and it's not currently being provided by us. So if you want Black people to go to therapy, you should create an environment where more Black people become therapists. You guys created this incredibly exclusive environment and then expect me to just walk my Black culture into your environment and allow you to oppress me with your extraordinarily biased way of doing psychotherapy. Like that's just, that's just not gonna happen. If you want more Black people to come to therapy, you have to create more Black Elliot Connies. You have to create more Black people who look like us and are of this culture, and then black people will come to therapy. And I know that because I'm getting emails and, and contacts from black people everywhere. And it's, it's so wrong to say like black people don't come to therapy because of this flaw, like the flaws in the field itself. So I love that my son every now and then goes too far because if you're not being authentic, the only way to not make mistakes is to overperform. Mm -hmm. So I have to make mistakes like that's part of the healing journey is every now and then I'm I'm going to go too far. And my son, through however way he's decided to partner with with this woman named Tamika, who's got his back and she's able to advocate for him to the world and and sometimes advocate for him to him. And, Mm -hmm. And I think that's
8: important.
9: Yeah, I appreciate it.
8: Okay, you. Doctor. Uh, miss it, Mr. Connor You got you, you sound like you know you might know a thing or two about a single <laughs> That's a doctor to me. I don't
9: care what you <laughs> say. That's says. what
8: I'm saying, man. You're gonna be our doctor. We're gonna need to co- talk to you a couple. We more do more. love yeah, it. We're gonna have to get the whole team to talk to you, Angelo <laughs> and Linda. We're gonna get the whole team. We need a love session, yes, sir. But love we it. appreciate it. we know you know we, we could have this conversation for about another whole hour, but we have a whole show to continue on, but we want to say thank you. Definitely leave your, your contacts so we can yeah, how you know, do people follow. let people yeah. follow. tell everyone how to find you.
13: Yeah, the, the easy way to find me is on social media, like on uh, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Elliot Speaks. Make sure you spell Elliot with two L's and two T's. Um, you can just search my name, Elliot Connie. There's not a whole lot of them. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'd love to be in contact. Y'all two have to follow me, man. I've been following y'all for years. We definitely gonna follow you.
1: And
13: I, and I really mean it, man. Like the the work y'all do in this field is, is so incredibly important. And I don't know anybody in the world who doesn't have strong mental health. That isn't, they have hot people with strong mental health. Here's the last thing I want to say people have strong mental health tend to have high levels of authenticity, authenticity, High levels of humility and high levels of gratitude. And I think that the two of you are such amazing examples of all of that. Um, like my, my song through his music. Like I've my favorite, like, and I'm not, I'm not even bullshitting. Like my favorite album for a really long time was your, uh, um, the remix. I probably listened to that. like Wow. You put on, like, I didn't know how to get it. Then you put on Facebook, it was on Datpiff. And I was like, oh, I got to go get that. I listened to that like on repeat for about two years, bro. And you got such good music,
9: such it, good music.
13: But the, the reason I bring it up is like, yeah, it's good music, but it's also a, a good message in representing authenticity. Like, here's where I've come from. Here's where I've gotten. Here's what I now know that I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, here is like the mistakes I made because I didn't know this before. Now I want to create healing where I used to create pain. Like, like it's so important to have high levels of authenticity, high levels of humility. And when I say humility, I don't, sometimes we confuse humility. Like humility is I don't acknowledge I'm great, but humility is I don't acknowledge, I acknowledge that I don't know everything. So I listen to other people That's and amazing. high levels of gratitude. So yeah. I want all of y'all to represent That's that continuously true. and uh, I hope people listening will be inspired to do that. And I love y'all. I thank you for having me. Thank, thank you. you. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
9: Those you. And we have much gratitude for you joining yes, the Street Pop today, Mr. Elliot Connie. We have renamed him Dr. Elliot Connie. <laughs> <Thank you laughs> so much
8: love, y'all. Thank you. Thank love you me. too, King. Appreciate you.
1: In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When
0: the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential.
1: The playoffs are the time for the real.
0: their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC.
2: Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers.
8: We own it. Shout out to our new doctor. Wow, he's good too. I oh, like He's really good, he's really good. And, and he comes from a place, and you can tell he's he's the authenticity that he comes from. Like knowing he knows a lot. He yeah. knows a lot about my music and things that I'm like. Okay, you really a- you gotta,
9: you gotta all of that. If you're gonna work with black folks, I guess anybody, but you know, we black, so we gonna work with black folks. You really do have to have a range of understanding. You got to have your hand in many different places, your ears to the street. You got to know the gossip. You got to know the politics. You got to, because we have a lot, we're multidimensional. You can't have one. That's one of the reasons why people don't like to go to therapy because the therapist has been trained in a very white space and they deal with life and 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 culture and and whatever, mental health, different from us. So with us, it's flavoring the food, you know? It's like, when we cook, we got neck bones in it, all types of seasonings, gonna make some cornbread, fried chicken, The fried chicken, have mustard on it. You know, like we got a lot of things going on.
8: Right. All up.
9: that to help, to get us straight.
8: That's thing,
9: and, man. and, You have to be able to understand our trauma that only we had. There is literally no other group of people, period,
8: period,
9: that suffered enslavement for 500 plus years.
8: Nobody. It's not just enslavement. It's just, it's not even just the enslavement. It's all of the mental issues and all of the dynamics that came even as a result after slavery right after there's never been any recourse right there's never been anything given to atone for what's happened to us there's so we basically still living in the dynamics of slavery without the slavery name of it you understand what I'm saying so it's so many things that we can we the only we are the only people who don't have a lineage to their culture Mm -hmm. right our culture is completely stripped of us like we don't have, we have to completely search. And there's so many different dynamics of people saying, this is what your culture was. And this would no, this is what our culture was, and This, So many different, every other ethnicity and culture can give you back to their beginning and say, this is exactly what it was It, it because nobody destroyed their history. Mm-hmm. Nobody did, tried to hide it from them. You know what I'm saying? There, there's a one place that they all come back from. Even There are people that say, we didn't come from Africa. We came from this and we did this. And we were so many different dynamics of what people try to tell us. Even though we, we know that we, we come from Africa, there's so many different people telling us what our language was, what our religion originally was. We were the more, there's so many different things and people are, are divided. We're the only culture, we're the only nationality.
9: That That's it, what it yeah. is. They did a great. They
8: experience. did a great job. There are people that tell us, "I'm not African, I'm American," like what the fuck are you talking about, you American? Like you understand so you, you'll never hear people Asian communities and, and say those things. They know exactly what their culture looks yeah, like. They know, you know, where they come from. They know is that You understand what I'm saying? So even when you look at the Jews, right? They know what their their culture is. They can they can trace back. This is what our culture is. This is where we come from.
9: Well, yeah, I mean, and even there. Even those people who believe that Israel and in, it, in its current state in Palestine, or however people want to say it, I'm sure there's a politically correct way to explain it, but they are able to trace back a time when Jews were there, right? Yeah. So it's it's it it, it there are people like you said, most people are able to at least point. it. there's
8: ramifications. To it. Yeah, the, even if you challenge, they they've given. They're saying, okay, we acknowledge this happened, and we we this is y'all's now, mm-hmm. right? There's, we're gonna be able to pay you back for this, all right? Since you didn't, you displaced. We're giving you this. You understand? What I'm We've never had any of those things. None of that has ever happened for Black people.
9: Right? They didn't it even was, want us to know that going to Africa was a viable.
8: Exactly. Nobody ain't saying, "Hey, we're gonna give all of the people who've been misplaced here, when you can go back to Africa, and we're gonna." And this right here is you can find some way to live here.
9: Right. That's not.
8: That's that doesn't happen for us.
9: But the you know? but the people of Africa. They do want us to understand. They do want us to go, but they're they're trying, but it ain't like you could just go look at commercials or there's some mainstream way that is being promoted. It's an Underground Railroad. We have to discuss it among ourselves and educate our people. And that's why we getting ready to go. A few months from now, we'll be back on the motherland, in the motherland, learning, meeting people and building our alliances so that we can find ways. It's not that people have to leave the U.S. or leave any other place in the world, but you should at least know where home is and have some allegiance, alliance, connection, and more importantly, your children need to know the truth about our history, our culture, because it helps you understand. You see our kids, they kill each other. Some of them, not all of them. Some of them, they kill each other. They're going through all these things. When you go to Africa, the one thing that I know happens to almost every person, every person that I know from the United States that travels to Africa, and you can attest to this, Mike, when you come back from there, you don't really want to fight your own people because you know the struggle is so much it's bigger. The
8: level of unification and understanding that just comes with, it. you know, unfortunately in America, Black people only unite through trauma. Right? That's the only
9: or, or dance or dance, happy yeah. moments. We do unite. we do we do funerals and birthdays and weddings, funerals and weddings. But yeah. we do have a bigger, unfortunate reaction to trauma. trauma.
8: Yeah, so you know, unfortunately, that's what we live with. But we know what we've we dealt with, and we know what the process is going to take for us to get where we are. So once again, shout out to Mr., our doctor, Elliot Connie, for his his gracious, his him gracing our platform today, man. I'm definitely going to go follow him and, yeah. and you know, get in tune with him. But he, he the theme was authentic, right? And authenticity, that's something that I live by. If you look at most of my things, authenticity is one of the major themes of it, you know? And that brings me to my, I don't get it. This new AI thing, right? The fact that you can take the voices of people and recreate them, right? An the average person can't tell if it's actually that person or not. I was listening to a song. I was listening to Mini Men, Fifty Cent's Mini Men song, that had Biggie and Tupac, mm-hmm. and it was, it was, it was crazy. And, but it was disheartening for me. It was really disheartening to hear, like, damn, y'all did that to the great Biggie and the great Tupac. Y'all took their voices and and you emulated it to the point where somebody who doesn't know, right, and they don't even get the credit for it. It's not even who they are. Like you've just taken their authenticity and you recreated that to make to make them just some common people. You understand what I'm saying? Like you you're trying to common you're trying to common people who have Reached icon status. Mm-hmm. They can now take voices and put them on average songs. Mm-hmm. where Anybody could just say, I'm, I got me a song by Tupac. I got me a song by Biggie. Right, where they were exclusive at one point, where Biggie had a body of work that he did that was only you, the people he wanted to have his voice, who he wanted to be on songs with, was on it. Now you could just take somebody that's iconic and put them on anything. You know, I don't I don't get why we even want to do it. I don't think it's something that's good. I don't even think it's something that should, should even be considered. Like it, it bothers me. Like, I was listening to a verse to Jay-Z, and I'm like, wow. You know, like, wh- wh- why do we want to do that? Why do we want to water down and, and take away somebody's greatness by just putting their voice and their likeness on anything? Mm.
9: I mean... I'm so mentally beat down with a number of thousands of thousands of problems and things and issues that I haven't even begun. I haven't begun the process of approaching all the dangers of AI, and I know it's there and I see people talking about it and, and folks have tried to like engage me in a conversation. I'm like, yeah, well, right now I'm fighting diversity issues within corporations, so I my focus is on like the fact that Black people who work for Panini America do not rise to positions of like senior level. And they also don't recruit and bring people into the company who are Black, um, specifically Black, not, you know, Brown too, but specifically Black because 75% of their business model is based upon the Black uh, athletes that they have signed for their memorabilia and trading card company. So they don't have any Black people um, as senior levels within the company that we can find, and they haven't come forward to say, Oh, excuse me, what are you talking about? Down and on bottom, you know, at the back hall, there's a chief so and so and a senior so and so that's black. So they don't have them. But anyway, so I've been focused on that. So the AI thing is like, Oh my God, this is yet another thing that is very, very dangerous. But the one thing that I did say to, I think it was, I was talking to like my makeup artist the other day, and I'm like, We have to have a code. Um. For families, right? Like and friends, that this is my code. My code is shout out to Triali. Let's say it was Triali, um, which is our brother Chi Ali's brand, Triali. Um, if that was the code, we have to have that so that if someone tries to call you with my voice and they say to you, Oh my son, come and get me, send me some money, I'm this or that. I'm in trouble or whatever, anything, anything they might say that you could, you, if you feel skeptical, you could say, what's the code Mm -hmm. or who is this? Because Mm -hmm. I think people are going to start using it for worse things than what you're describing, which is bad. I definitely don't want to hear artists of the past. I watched the Whitney, Whitney Houston movie last night. I don't want anybody to recreate her voice to put it on something different. I don't want that. In fact, I was feeling funny about the fact that in the movie, you know, it's her singing and not the person in a lot of different, you know, I'm I'm sure the actress can sing, but you hear it's Whitney, right? Mm -hmm. I was feeling the way not, not that I didn't think it should happen. I'm just saying it made me feel emotional, Mm -hmm. right? I remember those songs. So I'm just saying they're going to, it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse. And I don't know if there's a movement you know, it's something we all have to think about. Are we supposed to be fighting it? How do we fight it? Is it too far gone? We just talked about that in the earlier segment when we talked about how people don't find out until it's too late about. Stand your ground laws, gentrification, all of these things that happen, who was running for office, we find out about it so late or we don't pay attention to it. And the next thing you know, it's problematic. And I don't know how you fix the AI situation, but I also see some of our our brethren out there supporting it and and promoting it.
8: I I think it's very strange and dangerous. And it's moving us further away from authenticity. It's like cloning. If you can clone LeBron James, you know who is arguably one of the best players, and you can just keep cloning him, then what makes him unique? What makes him significant? Why? Why do I need him? I can clone him. I can make. I can recreate you at any given time that you don't capitulate to whatever it is that I need. You know. So it's we're moving so far away from consciousness. Well,
9: they that with that rapper, who was it? Like one of these record labels. Remember, it was a Columbia. One of these record labels had a rapper. That was like white, I think, but dressed with like gold chains. Maybe he wasn't white. You remember that? And he was supposed to be the newest artist that they were releasing, but it, was a, it wasn't a—it was a real person. It was called F and Mickey because I know F&M. I was mad about it just because it's got my name.
8: Oh, yeah, they, yeah. It was an AI artist. Yeah, they were trying to
9: pull that back because people were like, no.
8: Yeah. But the thing is, the more they, they realize it's <laughs> time, it's like they got to get you comfortable. They got to gradually move you into yeah, stuff. That's so quick. They, Ooh, yeah, they keep, yeah they keep on playing the ai voices people are like, oh shit this shit is dope and they keep doing it and then you start next thing you know they have an ai artist and they be like yo this, this shit is fire
9: but anyway it was a great show
8: it was a great show once again shout out to our doctor
9: elliot,
8: elliot connie go follow him elliot speaks on instagram he said facebook all of the, all of the social media platforms he's a dope guy I'm going to tune in with him. He seems like he knows a lot, and he's solution-based. That's what we need in this time. So thanks for another dope show, number one podcast. Street politicians. We moving. You see my hat. the general. see that <inaudible> four7. Tri Ali. Shout out to my brother Tria- Chi Ali with the Tri Ali apparel go. Get you some of that. And with that, we're gone, man. We're going to see y'all next week. I'm not going to always be right. Tamika's not going to always be wrong, but we'll both always, and I mean always, be authentic. Peace.
9: Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio.
8: And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv.
4: To getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get.
3: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is Finally here, And this season takes it to a
6: whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000.
5: And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast.
6: Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development,